Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk turned traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Welcome back to Mother May I Sleep with Podcast. I'm Molly McLear, and today I am joined by a previous guest, an old friend, someone I adore. She is an art. Honey, what do you say on TikTok? I'm an art curator and consultant. <laughs> what do you say? <laughs> I'm an art consultant and curator based in LA. Yes, there we go. That's your intro for your TikTok. <laughs> I do. I love it. So, Alexis Hyde, welcome back to the show. I felt so bad when I had you last time, not because we did a like a bad movie in a way that was not favorable to you because you were able to give your amazing insight to the art world on that episode. But because I know that you love shitty movies, like, you know, shitty movies. like you did. No, it's like, I didn't even get it when we were friends and when we were younger, like I didn't even understand like mm-hmm. that you like to the extent of which, and I think it's because you're into sci-fi a lot, yes. which is not my, field baby it's not my bag baby it's fine it's not everybody's but it's mine but i know it's totally yours and so i felt so bad that i couldn't give you like a great shitty movie and i feel like we fell upon i feel like we fell upon some magic here no i think this is some real magic because it's not like the last movie it just it didn't have the magic that this movie has because there's a lot of magic and i love i think the reason that like sci-fi and bad movies goes hand in hand because budget is always like an issue sure 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 yeah of course <laughs> and so like i'm just my standard for the suspension of my disbelief is deeply low because that's where i have to go so anything that's like above like a 3 on a scale of 10 i'm already like amazing this is oscars like let's call them and i will say imdb does give this a 4.6 out of 10 which is like not high enough for me out of all the lifetime movies cuz sometimes you'll see like a real shitty movie get a 5 but this is from i feel like basically the golden age i mm-hmm. this is i think they were still filming on film when they did this movie if that's correct i don't know this the aspect ratio of this is uh 1.781 1, which like i feel like i don't know maybe this is digital but there was some money thrown at this for sure it's a very i mean it's like the pnw we always get yes which is canada but it looked beautiful. It we have some Elizabeth Rome. Is she famous now? She's well. Speaking of sci-fi, she was on Angel. That was like her biggest, like like between Lifetime and Angel, which was the Buffy spinoff. Mm-hmm. That's I think where she's had like her biggest claim to fame. I think there were some soap operas in there that I saw and some other stuff that she's been doing, but she's never really gone past like she hasn't broken into like mainstream or any bigger than that okay Not yeah that angel wasn't big but you so, know it wasn't buffy big jane the virgin she played eileen for a six that. episode sprint oh no i didn't either i saw like the first one and i was like this is cute and then i was mm-hmm. like i don't know like i don't know she played it was not the good live action beauty and the beast of course 
which you and I probably remember from our nightmares. Yes. She also was on the client list, but she- oh, That was a really delightful, dumb show that I loved. I loved the client list. Most notably, I would say in recent years, she was a small part in American Hustle and a small part in Joy. So in an alternate universe, she's Jennifer huh. Lawrence. Huh. We also have Michael Shanks as the lead man in this movie. What Did, did you think he was handsome? I was very confused. I feel like there was all of the ingredients for handsome, but for some reason the recipe wasn't taking. And like the haircut was like a weird late nineties, George Clooney, Caesar throwback, but like there was no product in it, but it was, so it was just like baby bangs, which was like not a look in 2009 when they filmed this. So I would, I, that was confusing. I would call him leashed. Like, I don't think he's like an unleashed handsome man. Like I feel he's very leashed. And mm -hmm. that to me is not attractive. M Melissa's a villain. Shout yes. out. She was born. She's a 1984 baby born in British Columbia. She's done more than you would think. We didn't really get to spend a lot of time with her, but she did some time on like Chicago fires. So we know she's rich. Mm -hmm. Smallville. That's you. That's me. You know, that's, that's me. Graceland. I don't know who that that's probably like, I definitely everybody else who's so <laughs> mad at me about Graceland for not knowing what that is. Okay. So let's just get the fuck into it. Cause Alexis and I will chit chat throughout and we're on a little bit of a, we're on a time budget right now. So we open up at night on a dock. We see this woman is desperately trying to run away from someone. This is our ingenue. This is Brooke, Elizabeth Brom. She hops onto a boat, runs into the cabin. She gets grabbed from behind. Basically, this woman gets like knocked the fuck out and pushed into the water. So next thing we know, she's being saved. She's being brought back to life in a hospital. Like, this is my biggest nightmare, Alexis. No, it's no, not. It's, like, well, it's up there, though. This it's, is like up there. Like, you're trying to escape and somehow you still like end up like you're so close. And then, nope, they're still going to push you out. You're still going to kind of drown. And then you wake up and you're in a hospital. And she did a very good job of showing like how freaked the F out she was. Also, like, did you notice how dark the hospital room was? I did. And I think it was because like that light is really only for the doctors. It's maybe like a ring light a little it bit. <laughs> Where like you're the room is kind of dark and then like you just have this thing that you're staring at and it to you it's not that bright, but to America yeah. or Canada in this case, I don't know, it's like super bright. So I feel like that's like honestly, I feel like an operating table is the equivalent of a ring light. I think you're right. Yeah, it felt like we had one ring light and it was but then there was all these like wide shots of the room. So the room seemed like really dark, scary, spooky. And so he really set the tone immediately, which was amazing because I didn't even know. I'm like, is the doctor bad? Is the nurse bad? Is this, you know, who's, who's bad here? Something, something's up. I know. So you watched this movie. We watched this sort of in tandem. I was a little bit behind you and it was very exciting to see your reactions as I was watching with you because like I got to a point based off of you saying like, who do we trust that I was so distrustful that I was not trusting the woman who was from the coffee shop in the bathroom much later yeah. on into the movie where I was like, is she a prop? Like, is she, has she been sent in to do a bit? Yeah. But it's so contrary to the bit that she would ha be having to do. So yeah, I, I mean, for me, it's like, I think I would be like, I was so close to the sweet release of death 
and then all of these people against my will not knowing me and mm-hmm. that this is my literal fucking dream like knock me out into the ocean and like i don't really know what happened after that yeah. like i was like oh god like i'd be so pissed to wake up with all these people trying to revive me so they basically get this guy coming into the emergency room. He's like, I need to see my fiance. I think she's here. There's a Jane Doe here. I've gone all these emergency rooms. And he pulls out a photo and he's like, is this is this her? And they're like, yes, this is her. But she's like fucked up right now. So chill out. Oh, also, you should we should mention that in the course of the examination, they've noticed that there is older bruising than the bruises she sustained during the attack slash fall. And so they're worried about abuse and they're going to call the cops before he shows up. No, it's, it's right after they didn't even, so he's sitting. Yes. It's like the next beat is like, they're kind of, and I loved this due diligence as someone who's also recapping law and order SVU right now on this podcast where I'm kind of like I loved that they were like not taking him at us at his word and like yeah. actually following th- it felt SVU inspired it, did. it was nice so they're like we're gonna just file a police report just in Casey's so he comes to her bedside like I don't know I don't know like I I do like a nice little like slightly emotionally removed man but like he was a little too grabby feely with yeah. her limp body for me. Yeah, he got real into it real quick. And all of a sudden he pulls out from the bed, like, so next to the bed is a little bag of all of her goods, which like, I don't think they really would keep that there, but he pulls out a little sleight of hand, a ring and slides it onto her finger. And they're like, well, we haven't seen that ring before. And he's like, yeah, well, she wouldn't leave the house without it. Now, this is not a fucking engagement ring that he puts no. on her finger. It's a wedding band. It's a wedding band. I mean, I, do what you want to do. Do you know what I mean? Like, I respect people that straight up are just like, I just want a gold band for my engagement ring. I don't want the whole circus. Mm-hmm. But it it does feel a little extra to be something that's supposed to be plain. Yeah. So we're going to cut to the doctor pulling him aside. Your fiance suffered a heavy blunt force trauma to the head in the accident. She's in a coma. What? She has a severe concussion. Her brain is swollen, putting pressure on the spine. The good news is that the inflammation is going down, so I don't perceive any problems. Um, is there anything that, that, that can be done? The only thing we can do right now is wait. There's no telling how long it may last. It could be a day, a week. There's really no guarantees. She's in the best care here. We'll be watching her round the clock. But there's something else. We found bruises on her that appear to have occurred before the accident. From what? I was hoping maybe you could tell me. Brooke's a uh, pretty athletic girl. She, um, she plays tennis, goes hiking, and I suppose it could be from any one of those. You should be aware that it's hospital policy to report any suspicious injuries. What? What are you? What are you saying? Not that I'm accusing anyone of anything. Well, you, you, you think that I, I hit her? That I, uh, no, I abuse her? No, I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying I have to fill out the report. I understand. 
Look, I need you to be strong for her right now, okay? So we cut back to the room. Michael is resting his head on her chest and sleeping, and a nurse comes in and smiles. They really do seem like a perfect couple, I guess, if that's what you're into. So Brooke starts to wake up, and the first thing she sees when she's, like, you know, coming to is a flashback of what happened that night. Like, it's her running from someone and getting into her car, and then she, like, wakes up. She's in absolute shock. As you would be, by the way. Mm-hmm. Two days out of a coma? Come on. So the doctor explains to her you had a really serious accident. She does know her name. She has no idea what happened. No. Or anything else about her life at all. Like, not what she does, where she's from. Like, nothing. No, I know. And, like, there's a moment coming up where I'm kind of like, Michael, like, you did not explain that properly. Where I yeah. was like, this is a little insensitive of you. But yeah, I mean, like we deal with these movies a lot on Lifetime where it's sort of like the wife is being drugged and she doesn't know it or typically that's it is that the wife is being drugged and at least two of those movies star Haley Duff. But (laughs) there's like, you know, there's been movies before where it's like a guy fucking with a girl's memory and you and I have both been in like fucked up relationships, which is partially why I push for this movie because I know (laughs) Alexis, I would fall for this now. And that's the scariest part is I would like to think that I'd be above like getting a brain bruise, which is essentially what happened to her. So like, she hit her head in exactly the wrong spot, which like shout out to her, her harmers because yes. I fucking nailed that one. Perfect. And like her spine is pre- pressing in on her brain. So the doctor's like, just be patient. You know, you got to help her remember people and places. She can leave in a couple days. She can't have emotional or physical stress. So. This is where we are. At this point, what are you thinking? So at this point, like, I still know that I don't trust anybody, but I'm also already falling for it, which is embarrassing. Well, we did read, we did read the, like, three-sentence explainer. I always said my, I know, but me too. I know, but me too. Like, I always forget. I don't know. I wouldn't say I forget, but I, like, want to believe or something right like they when they write it like it's the it's like it's the wonderful storytelling like you know fairy tale where he's he's tall and handsome even if he's not my type and like he comes and he swoops up and he is gonna take care of her and he did fall asleep on her and there is a ring and they are gonna go to the vacation house to like recuperate and like of course in like my 2022 brain i'm thinking who has the healthcare here Who's paying for this (laughs) coma? Who is actually able to get off work this entire time? What's going on here? What is, what's the lifestyle here that is able to afford this like long recovery in your, in your cabin? Because I'm, I'm, it's us as the kids say. I was thinking the exact same thing. Like this would be (laughs) such an interesting insurance fraud story Mm -hmm. where Mm -hmm. like literally the doctor came and like knocked her out. And like, basically, like, this is going to pay for her vacation this year. But yeah, like, I would also be pretty psyched to come out of a coma and find out that I owned a beautiful vacation home as well as an apartment in the city. Like, 
what a dream to wake up to that. Right? It's like, oh my gosh, like Cinderella or no, Sleeping Beauty. This is like fantastic. And she looks like Sleeping Beauty. She's so blonde and perky eyed, doe face. And I'm just like, oh my gosh. And, but yeah, like exactly. Like the doctor, like did the doctor slip or something? Like what, how convenient is it that she like lost her full memory? Yeah. And also how terrible would it be to wake up from a coma and find out you're poor again? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I feel like, why'd you do this to me? Who's paying for this? Oh God, like, congratulations. You woke up. Here's uh, insurmountable medical debt. <laughs> yeah, here's uh, you owe us two hundred and fifty thousand dollars, and this will be counted against your credit. Right. So, I hope you remember how to do your job because you're going to need it. <laughs> so he pulls out a picture of the two of them to show her, and like kisses it. And when she shows no recognition of this, he's like, crumples it up a little bit, which yeah. I thought was very strange. His eyes were a little menacing here. And uh, they're going to the vacation house. He, like, you know, is rubbing her engagement ring. It all feels very familial. So Brooke is wheeled out of the hospital with a prescription for sedatives and a bandage on her head. Michael gets her into the car. This was, like, you know, for her having sedatives, they really did not touch on that at all. Like, no, at it was all. such a quick give. But it also felt like, like, sometimes when I go... Like when I've gone to the doctor because I'm like hurt or whatever, and they're like, just watch what it looks like. And it's like, well, if I'm on heroin, I can't <laughs> tell what it looks like. So I could see Brooke being disciplined like that and not wanting to like, you know, people who like get a boob job and they're like, all I did was take Advil. Oh, you mean me? I mean, like, I didn't get a boob job. These babies are real. But yeah, I'm that asshole. I don't need any of your painkillers. I'm just going to be fine on one Tylenol and that's it. That's, yeah. Like, that's a whole, that's a whole genre of person. Whereas I'm like. We're, we're awful people. You, everyone feel free to make fun of us. It's terrible. No, none of us are making fun of you. Like, I actually <laughs> admire that. Like, no. I'm, I, are you kidding? Like, I, I would get hooked up to morphine for so much less than than that but yeah so michael offers her coffee when they get to the big house now this is the thing with the vacation house okay like they have to take a boat out there to mm -hmm. do it so it's a little like island i guess off of the seattle coastline and she's kind of like, you know, cannot believe the beauty that she's forgotten and michael's going to go get coffee on the ferry and she spots a guy who's wearing all black in a baseball cap. And as soon as she sees him, she's like frightened for her life and runs to find Michael. And she doesn't tell Michael why she's upset, which I thought was very odd. That also, and because when they were hanging out on the ferry before he went to go get coffee, like she's like fully nuzzled in him. Like he's got an arm around her. They're like cozied up. And I'm like, this is a lot of physical affection for, I mean, I know he's supposed to be your fiance, but like, you don't know anybody. She's on a handshake. Okay, so I started playing my first Nintendo Switch game last night. And it's oh about God. like kind of like an emotionally disturbed girl who it's like a mystery. Incredible. And it's about like a kind of emotionally disturbed girl who just got out of like a mental hospital. Because mm -hmm. I guess in the first chapter of the game, like her dad was abusive. I watched someone else play the first chapter of the game. And I'm playing the one where after she gets out of the mental hospital that she ultimately winds up in she's like recovering from everything her dad did to her. Oh I think he was a little creepy. Do you know what I mean? I do. That's what I surmised. And it 
feels a little like, you know, like I had to choose for my character. Like, do you want to shake your brother's hand or do you want to hug him? And I was like, let's do a handshake. I would think she'd be in handshake territory. I would think she'd be in handshake territory also. It just feels like touching. like Because it's, it's not just like, oh, like we're like, he has his arm around her and she's like standing awkwardly. It's, it's a full nuzzle in public, like on a boat. Like it just feels like this is, it's intimate. I don't think their pheromones matched up either, truthfully. I'll be mm-hmm. real with you. I was not getting good pheromones connections there. And I feel like that's like music. They always say with like dementia patients, like like music is one of the things that can always revive the memory. Like it's mm-hmm. like one of the last things to go. And I was like, I feel like pheromones have to be up there too. Yeah. So they get to this little like small town with a main drag and Brooke asks like what the deal is like do I have family and he's like well you have a sister Courtney who lives down in Kent but you guys have not been talking we find out that they stopped talking when her parents died which I was like the way he says like when your parents died I was like babe like I totally missed that she might not know that her parents are fucking dead yeah like, well, see, I think that's when I should have had like more suspicion is like he was being pretty careless about the way he was like giving information. Like he was being very careful with her in terms of like trying to be intimate and like physical and like baby and like sweetheart, all of that kind of stuff. But like, yeah, there was like a lot of like the communication was super fucking careless. Yes. He was assuming something about the patriarchy with the way that he was <laughs> like talking to her in my mind Mm -hmm. like I don't know it just felt a little like okay calm down like with the baby and all that shit so they stop into this little market to pick up some stuff and right away I guess a little girl like pointed at Brooke's head and laughed because she does have a kind of a I mean it's kind of comical like that they sent her out of the hospital with like a piece of gauze taped to her head and you know, Brooke wants to leave and he's like, don't worry about her. She's just a kid. And she's like, can I just like, which by the way, this is sensory overload. Like she's been in a coma for two days. I get overwhelmed if I'm like in a car where the music's playing too loud and the wind's blowing too hard. Like I, (laughs) I can't imagine going into this like little Island grocery store. So There's an older fisherman who's like kind of giving her funny looks and she decides to walk outside and she bumps into an old friend, Melissa, who she does not know at all. And Melissa's not a good friend about this. No, she's not. Sorry, Pigeon is like literally riding the microphone right now. So I apologize if anyone's hearing a heavy vibration. It's just literally this, this little cat. Melissa was like, a little bit like, what the fuck's going on with you? Like, I've been <laughs> worried about you. And she's not getting the response she wanted out of a recent coma victim, which I thought was very insensitive. Well, especially because a, a recent coma victim who has a giant gauze bandage on her head, like head wound. And yeah. Like, oh my God. You would How are you feeling? Right away when she doesn't recognize you, you'd be like, I'm your best friend. Like, it's okay. So Michael comes out. Melissa asks what happened to her because Michael runs out. Like, I just found you. And he doesn't know that she she fell out of the boat and fell overboard and like, you know, is not the same anymore. And she goes, I always warned warned her about that boat. So this is interesting. Like, I do believe that, like, if if my bestie was riding around on a motorcycle, I'd be fucking pissed. 
Yeah. You know, like I think the motorcycle thing, especially in Los Angeles, is a little out of control. Like get a grip. I've gotten upset with coworkers about their motorcycles. Yeah. <laughs> if you have kids and you ride a motorcycle, like what are you thinking? No, it's dude, I was on La Brea and like Beverly and there's that Chevron and I I was like driving by, there's all this traffic and I was like, What's going on? And there was like a the motorcycle was in two pieces. Yeah, Sarah Liz and I once saw a motorcycle crash by Fairfax and Wilshire. And mm-hmm. we it was like terrifying. Like we had just finished like a huge day of work together for Hello Giggles. Like we were doing a, our first production thing. Oh and we gosh. saw this couple like basically motorcycle into a <gasps> ditch and oh. they got up quickly, but like it just felt like, you know, she didn't know what she had kind of gotten into. She was like on the back of the motorcycle in like short shorts and I think wearing his helmet or something. It was like one of those things, you know, it's like, babe, who are you? What? So Michael reminds her they're best friends, blah, blah, blah. Melissa offers a helping hand, but Michael's like, I've got it covered. So they pull into this gorgeous sprawling lake house and she has like a flashback during this scene to the car window breaking. So that's like in this clip here, this is the glass that you'll hear. 1910 to 20 minutes. Anything familiar? Mm, I don't know, sort of. It's like I've seen it all before, but I don't know where or when. That's a pretty good sign. Sounds like there's a few things rattling around in there trying to get out. I was thinking it might be a good idea for you to spend some time with Melissa, maybe bring back some memories. This is our vacation house. You decorated it. So he says to her, you've got something rattling around in that noggin. (laughs) Which is like so strange. And of course, she's proud of the house. It's a gorgeous house. Anyone would be so thrilled to own that property. But at the same time, I I mean, this is the first thing I said to you yesterday when I was watching this. There's no way a fucking woman decorated this house. No. This looks like a guy bought this house, did the best he could. I mean, the kitchen is beautiful. They've got some beautiful, like, copper pots laid out. But there's odd bookshelves. Like, it's all brown, and then there's this black baby grand piano in the middle of the room with this, like, table runner over it and an odd angel statue on it, which I don't even know if you're supposed to put things on a baby grand like that. And she's like, how do we afford this place? And he's like, well, we remodeled it. It was a big stretch for us. And he's like, I do pretty okay for myself, and you work at home doing tech support, which I thought was so interesting as this movie was made in 2009. I know. There's not a lot of signs of this movie being made in 2009, except there's a kind of a big one later. But it is very odd, kind of for the time, that she was working at home. Yeah. 
No, I thought the same thing too. I was like, well, it's kind of crazy that she works from home in tech support in 2000. Like just not the time. I also hear tech support. And I think like you're working for when you call like Apple or GoDaddy Mm -hmm. and you know, Mm -hmm. you're talking to some guy in his living room. Yeah. That's like usually really good at what they're doing. But you're like, I'm definitely talking to someone in their living room. Like, I kind of also thought, like, there's no way that her job is high earning enough. Because, like, people who work in tech support are famously, like, underpaid. This episode is sponsored by Book of the Month. I've been subscribed to Book of the Month for three months now, and I'm obsessed. If you're a big reader or maybe even a lapsed big reader who's been wanting to get back into it regularly, consider checking it out. Book of the Month, they read like hundreds of books every month from new and emerging authors, and they whittled on the list to just the very best. They provide you a diverse little selection of hardcover fiction to pick from, which is an element of it that I really love. I can find going into the bookstore to be super overwhelming, and when I know I have about a dozen really solid options to choose from, it makes the decision way easier. Plus, it's cheaper than other options, shipping is always free, and there's a loyalty program with rewards and even lower prices if you choose to stick around. There's an app where you can pick your upcoming books and track the progress of your reading, and there are challenges on there with rewards. Your book arrives in a super aesthetically pleasing box, by the way. That's the kind of touch that I always really appreciate. Personally, I read at my own pace. Sometimes I can only get to one of my two books a month, and I keep the ones I haven't read yet on my windowsill right next to my bed so I can just see them all there. It inspires me to pick one up and read. It's nice to have options in front of you. If you're interested in trying it out, you can get your first book for $5 with code pastel at bookofthemonth.com. That's code pastel at bookofthemonth.com. Are you ready to shop? Rakuten's Big Give Week is back. Get 15% back at hundreds of stores, and it's all happening this week, May 6th to May 13th. It's the perfect time to shop for everything on your list for spring and summer, like clothing, outdoor gear, and travel. I know I'm using this week to stock up on some warmer weather essentials at Ray-Ban and Ulta, and I love that Rakuten even helps me save on travel at sites like Hotels.com. Rakuten really is the best way to shop, and you can save even more by stacking cash back on top of deals. Plus, during Big Give Week, that cashback is bigger than ever. With Rakuten, membership is free, and when you sign up and shop today, you get an extra 10% cashback boost. That's an extra 10% cashback on top of the 15% cashback. You won't see higher cashback rates than these. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app. R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. So... She wants to roam around a little bit while he goes outside to get the groceries. And he describes going to get the groceries like it's a fucking hero's journey. Like, yeah. and he is gone for a little bit long. Like, there, it's a, like a, you know, it's a 30-step walk to the front door. But And she's like, I'll wander around while you're doing that. As if he is walking a mile and a half back with the fucking sliced turkey. And like, <laughs> the, so... She walks around in a circle. Then she starts to notice that there's a wall of photos, like a little bit of a gallery wall next to the kitchen. I don't know if you call even a gallery wall, but there's a couple frames obviously missing from this collection. And the photos also appear to be 
very badly photoshopped and i am someone who will never clock a kardashian like whenever someone's tr- like like someone's trending for a bad photoshop job i look at it and i'm like oh it's okay to me see and this is where like my like i ingest too many bad movies that like i just assume you know all of the photos they're always photoshopped because those people weren't actually in that position you know they, always <laughs> they were, weren't married you know, they always <laughs> weren't married and they weren't it wasn't you when you were a kid and so like i just see the photoshop and it just again this is what i mean my suspension of disbelief is so low it just automatically processes as prop history just take it in as a noise and then keep moving so when you texted me and you're like it's you know it's Photoshop. And I was like, is it? I was like, but like, that's, that's just what happens. <laughs> One of them looked like, like, do you remember like in the high school yearbook, like when you would get to like dedicate a page to you and your friend group or whatever, oh, yeah. it looked like when you would cut together like a <laughs> couple pictures to make it look like, you know, something it wasn't or whatever. That's very much what it felt like to me. Like her little like head was all like, just her head was so like grape like next to his and like just like she looked so inserted and it was just very like odd to me so they decide to go for a little bit of a walk this is so strange so michael was hoping that he could pick up the pace toward the end of the walk which is like the main insensitive thing i would say he does in this movie outside of everything where she just got home from the hospital that day and he's like i was hoping we could like jog and there's a lot this, of like this nice activity that I thought that would be healing that I suggested. Can we wrap this up? Mm-hmm. Or also like, I would love to like squeeze in my cardio because I'm not going to do it any other time today. So just meet me at the end of the trail. Yeah. And it's like, babe, are we, what are we doing here? So she's like, go ahead. So she's enjoying her time with the flowers or whatever. And then all of a sudden we see this man that we're going to see throughout this with like the black hat or whatever it seems like him anyway like clip clomping through the woods and so she starts running freaking out she winds up running into michael at the end of the trail and he's like i told you to follow me so brooke is chopping up all these like bell peppers there's an it's an absurdly long vegetable chopping scene like it's so like they do a little like montage of them chopping vegetables one thing i want to notice is that he brings her a glass of wine which is like literally not what i would do like if you have a head trauma like even if you enjoy your glass of wine at dinner which i will say that they seem to drink somewhat responsibly for a lifetime movie yes because it's always like either bat like full-blown baptist where this person is being completely unreasonable dead-ass sober or they're kind of drinkers but like these people talk about splitting a glass of wine or like a bottle of wine. And I do believe that they stop there. Right. No, it feels very tame. However, I think it is incredibly strange to give someone who just got out of a coma, a glass of white wine. Yes. So he's like, you know, I made this for you the first time. I made you dinner. Apparently it was Valentine's day. They were supposed to go out and he's like, but some jackass forgot to make reservations. And he goes, yeah, you know, I, I can't be expected to remember everything. I had candy flowers, orchids, your favorite flower. You love orchids. I got a bear too. And she seems very charmed by this. I would be so as a woman, as an adult fucking woman, I don't want a stuffed animal. No. 
this is like it's like birthstone jewelry. It's like things that's like you've graduated from that after high school. But even in high school, I was never really sure what I'm like, am I supposed to shove this up my ass? Like, what am I supposed to do with this stuffed animal? But like, yeah, anyway, so he's like, yeah, you know, I got you this thing. Meanwhile, they're in their mid thirties. How old do you think they're supposed to be? I feel like they're supposed to be in their mid thirties. Mm-hmm. Like he seems like he's a little bit older, and she's a little like. That's what I think with Lifetime is so interesting is they do tend to stick with the late in life bride. Yeah, it's never like the twenty three year old getting married. No, it's always like a little bit of a later in life for the majority of America, which I think is still shifting. But I always notice that because. Like, I think it buys desperation a little bit, which I think is really sad. So, like, they start kissing and she pulls away. She's not ready yet to do that, which is absolutely fair. So, Brooke's checking her wounds in the morning and she has these brief flashbacks. Someone's smacking Mm -hmm. her around and manhandling her. Michael wakes up looking like he had a nice night of sleep. Yes. Brooke's attempting to make pancakes downstairs. This was like the most annoying part of the movie for me. Basically, like someone knocks at the door and then at the back door and she rightfully probably assumes that someone's trying to attack her and she lets these pancakes burn. But the movie itself made criticism on this. They let the fire alarm go in the house for so long so long it scared every animal in my house i was scared i was like i was like i'm i don't like this noise either like it was very disruptive truthfully yes no it was like really it was it was really intense and like a lot and it also was like her and this was like i know she's I don't know. It just feels like also like he's, you know, he's being very nice about it. He's being very gracious about the fact that she tried to make the pancakes and she's like really embarrassed, but also like, again, like she doesn't tell him what's going on. Yeah. She's, I know she's like afraid. And I, I, it's like, babe, this is actually tangible. Yeah. Like there was literally a man like rap rapping at your door, like just a moment earlier. Okay. So this is where you picked this up and you're so true, Alexis. You're so true. So uh, we never got to see her closet, which would have been one hell of a fucking shot. And I Mm -hmm. really wish that we had gotten to see her like open up her closet at some point. But Brooke was apparently a purple girl. A purple girl. Which does make sense for an at-home tech support. And I don't mean that in a derogatory way. My childhood bedroom was purple. (laughs) <laughs> but like, do you know what I'm saying? Like, it does feel like maybe she it could be a purple girl. That's not reflected in her home the way a purple girl no. would do it. No, it's not. But she is a purple girl. Like we see it's a lot of purple. Every outfit, except for one, there's a time when she's wearing like a teal kimono. Every single outfit has like a big piece of purple in it, like a bright purple. And I immediately was like, because I'm really obsessed with this. I was just like, Why? I was like, does purple have a color like meaning that like I'm not remembering? Because in my mind and everything I've read, purple is royalty. Purple is, you know, power and that kind of like, you know, like big and she's so helpless. So I think, unfortunately, that this purple is arbitrary. Okay. Here's one thing I will say is that did you watch Breaking Bad? I'm sure you did. I did not. Okay. 
Alexis, you will love Breaking Bad. Well, I, tr- I got through like two seasons and then I just hated that everybody was so mean to each other all the time. And so I just stopped watching. <laughs> That's probably fair. That's probably fair that they were mean, t- mean to each other. Yeah. That's actually, if that's, yes. If that's your sensitivity, then yeah, that they were definitely Same thing mean happened with Matt and everyone was so mean. <laughs> no, you're, you're fair. So what I will say is that Skylar White, her color on Breaking Bad was purple. So, because I do know enough about popular culture to know who Skylar is in the realm of the Breaking Bad universe, because she's the the wife. It's you know, it's push and pull. She wants to be involved. She gets mad. She's like, she thinks she knows. She doesn't. Yeah. So so like Skylar's color was purple. I don't really know what it means per se. Like I'm reading these articles right now and it's not really giving me like exactly what it is, but Mm -hmm. there's also another thing. Why does Skylar White have such a purple passion? I mean, I guess it's kind of childlike. It's very little girl. It is very very little girl. It's also like little girl meets semi-mature woman. Like I Mm -hmm. think that that's why I went with like a purple bedroom when I was like 14 because I was trying to become a woman. Trying to be sophisticated. So someone writes on this message board, (laughs) tigerdroppings.com. Incredible. About it. Someone wrote, there was times when she got off on power even more than Walt, but she liked to think that she was ethically superior. And someone wrote, this is the correct answer. She uses Walt's criminals acti- criminal activities and the safety of Walt Jr. as the complaint for her losing power. We didn't grow to hate Skylar. In fact, the show tried very hard to make her sympathetic as time went on, but she was horrible from the beginning. Walt was a giant pussy and she belittled him. Walt didn't change because of money and pow- uh, because of money, but power. And she resented the fact that she could no longer walk all over him. Their whole dynamic is not about the money or the drugs, but simply a power play. Once Walt became Heisenberg, she felt powerless. She was controlling. She was a controlling despot in the home. And as much desirable power and control as Walt, her way of power was like this person admitted they're drunk before they wrote this. So I just want to give them credit for that. But it says not only was she a hypocrite, but she emasculated him and reveled in it when walt was no longer the pushover she could not handle that blah, blah, blah. anyway so i'm guess i guess i'm just saying that i do think that the creator of breaking bad stole that from this movie <laughs> and that's a common theme i feel with lifetime movies where i'm like i know vince gilligan was just up watching one night and goes oh she's a purple girl that makes total sense that makes total sense so Brooke is like asking about the pictures in the hallway and he's like, you were just rearranging them before the accident, which she just also doesn't seem to be ADHD enough. Like that's me. If someone told me like the reason why you have a stack of pictures here is because you were like rearranging the house art, which I like Mm -hmm. to do. I'd be like, okay, sure. But I I don't know. So he's like, I'm hopeful, you know, you and your sister are going to make up when things calm down a little bit. And she realizes someone might be following them because they're driving into town to like go do some like day stuff. And Brooke is getting more and more upset. So Michael pulls over and in turn gets pulled over by detectives. So he's going to talk to the detectives for a minute. 3021 to 3218. I'm Detective Whitehead. This is Detective Hanson. We're with the PD. Okay, how can I help? Yeah, can we see some identification? Sure. Why didn't you pull over? 
Well, that's because I didn't know you guys were police officers. Sure. Step out of the car. Listen, my fiance just had an accident. We're a little on edge here. I see a strange car following us, and I don't know what to think. Uh-huh. You mind telling me what this is all about? Where were you the night your fiance disappeared, Mr. Coleman? Home. And I was waiting for her to come home. Did you speak with anybody during that time? Anybody that can corroborate that you were there? No, I didn't. Are you implying that I had something to do with that? Any phone calls? No, I didn't speak with anybody. You have any idea why she would have been on that boat? Well, we use it a lot. She likes to go out and sometimes and clear her head. It's peaceful. In the middle of the night? Well, maybe the storm came up after she left. I, I really don't know. Listen, you're, you're welcome to speak with her, but I'm not sure how much she's going to be able to tell you. We heard. We already spoke with Dr. Kaplan at County. OK, well, then you guys know as much as anyone. One more thing, Mr. Coleman. Dr. Kaplan mentioned something about some bruises. Okay, I will tell you exactly what I told her. Tennis. Focus outdoors, a lot. Have you ever hit your fiance, Mr. Coleman? No, I haven't. And I wouldn't do anything to hurt her. Well, uh, please call us if you have any useful information, anything at all. Numbers on the card. All right, thank you. I liked this scene because it was the only moment where I felt like someone might genuinely be on her side. Mm -hmm. I thought that they were good detectives. It felt, again, SVU inspired. It felt a little mm -hmm. touched by SVU. So <laughs> the detectives aren't sold. And he tells Brooke, you know, they just wanted to talk about the accident. So they meet with a doctor at South Peak Medical. Now, this is Dr. Richard Alvarez, who's apparently an old friend of Michael's. And he greets her by saying, hello, Brooke. I heard we had a little accident, which like, I don't know. That's how that's how I would expect a doctor to greet me if yeah. I walked in. But that's never how they do greet you. They yeah. would be like. I just want to let you know what you went through was fair. Like, like, you know, like if you're experiencing anything, all your emotions. And I'm always like, why are you being nice to me or a doctor? Aren't you supposed to be like mean? Yeah. And so I thought this was like kind of interesting that they went with like the worst take of a doctor. Yeah. She's it's almost like, like a pediatrician reaction. Oh, I hear we had this, took a little spill, huh? Yeah. Let's take a look. Yeah, 100%. That's exactly <laughs> it, Alexis. Because like, this woman has major brain damage and she's like, you know, and Michael's like, this is my old friend. And she goes, well, the best thing about amnesia is that you're always meeting new friends. You know, I thought it was like cute that she was present enough to make a joke, but also so fucking sad. And sad. 1,000% something that if Brooke was real would look back on and be like, I'm so humiliated that yeah. I got into that bit. Like, I'm in that office making, doing bits. Like, doing bits. Yeah. So he reminds her that she shouldn't feel ashamed. You know, she has a great support system. And he wants to know about her nightmares. And she basically is just like, I just have little flashes of things. I feel like this almost goes against the real goal of what Michael was trying to do. Spoiler. But like, 
he basically says, you know, your brain is trying to piece together a puzzle. I'm going to help you with that puzzle. Yeah. And so maybe this is to Michael's benefit where, by the way, if your husband is sitting in on your fucking therapy session with you after you've got amnesia, just say no. No. Like, I, I, I don't know why someone would remember this podcast more than their own husband if they got amnesia. But I just want to say, if you find yourself in this position, if you're on your way to your first therapy appointment after getting amnesia, uh, turn around the car. So basically, like, she just kind of says that she get you know, sees herself running. She knows she's scared. There's a girl there. She's running through the woods. She's hiding. And Brooke starts to get really overwhelmed and Dr. Alvarez assures her that everything's going to be okay. And he says that her memories are childhood memories and that she should focus on what that is about. You know, what are people wearing? The small details are the key to figuring out what happened. He makes sure to tell her to call him Richard. And we just get a shot of him standing behind his desk that goes on a little too long for my taste after they leave. Uh, yeah. So Brooke's like, you know, that was really helpful. And Michael's like, okay, well, I have to drop you off at the house. I'm supposed to be meeting with a client. Someone's got to pay the mortgage. And Brooke's like, what is it you do again? And he's like, marketing. So they both think it'll be a good idea for Brooke to eventually get back to work. And I'm like, no, it's not. No. Like, you're not going to run great tech support if you have amnesia. Like, you don't remember, I don't, do you remember whatever tech you're supporting? Honey, my computer is on Mojave, okay? That is my (laughs) OS, okay, right now. And I literally, like, I, there's no way to update it to the next Mm -mm. level because, like, that level of, like, iOS was taken off the internet. I think I would have to illegally download the next iOS system in yeah. order to then up- update it to, you know, Catalina or wherever the hell we are. So once this computer breaks, you guys will never hear from me again. But yeah, so I guess I'll work at Home Goods. Yeah. Do you need a computer to work at Home Goods? No. Okay. So, and everyone, everyone listening is like, Molly, can you just get a fucking job at Home Goods? Like, you've been soft launching this idea for five years. <laughs> So, yeah, Brooke wants to meet up with Melissa while he's gone. And he's like, love y'all. So they shop the main drag. And I guess it's a cute scene between friends. I don't think Melissa is like your best amnesia friend. I'll be real with you. Here's this clip. 3745 to 3850. How's the recovery? Taking it moment to moment. (laughs) So... You don't remember anything. Little things like I see something and I know it's supposed to mean something to me, but it just doesn't. Like my sister, Michael, says we don't get along, but I have no idea why. You're, uh, you're really lucky to have someone like him. Yeah, he's really great. He, um, but you know, I don't even remember how we met. It's like living with a complete stranger. The video store. What? That's how you guys met. The video store. You guys were uh, fighting over the last copy of some DVD. And he suggested that you guys watch it together. You're kidding. No, no. Love works in mysterious ways. (laughs) 
You okay? Brooke? So they met at the video store, which you're right. We talked about this also during text yesterday because I was like, it's the fucking video store. And you're right. They are in Oregon. Well, like the last, they're in Seattle, but the last, the last blockbuster still exists in Oregon, right? Yeah, in Bend. I've been there. Yeah. So it exists. I just feel like by 2009, I think we had Netflix and I don't know how long barely though Netflix we had Netflix was only doing DVDs if I remember correctly because I was still going to the blockbuster around my corner for a while also they might have been streaming but at the time I didn't I couldn't afford internet so but I could afford $70 worth of DVD rentals at blockbuster (laughs) so (laughs) I know and by the way like I think it says so much about Los Angeles that so many of us lived in apartment buildings and weren't just splitting internet with a neighbor. Oh my God. Yeah. I didn't know anybody. One person for a while didn't have a password and I was able to get onto that, but no, we didn't like just ask, how dare you? There were six other units in my apartment building. What was I supposed to do? Talk to them? I know. Well, I know, but like, I feel like in any other small town, you'd be like, I don't know, but yes, no, we did move here during like Noob Central. Like sometimes mm-hmm. you would find someone that didn't know to put a password on their internet. It was nice. I might have been the one actually in my building. So yeah, you know, Brooke spots this brown overnight bag in the window of like what I I just said bag like Trisha Paytas again. You really, you really did. She spots this brown overnight bag in the window of a shop. Do you think this is a consignment shop? I think so. I mean, I can't tell. You know, they've always got those like little charming shops in like vacation towns where they have like a little bit of everything. Yeah. So like it could just be like where she bought it from and they just have another one, but it looked a little bit like a consignment shop, but they also kind of look the same when you go to those places. It was giving like mid-scale consignment, you know, like nothing like you wouldn't go in there and find like a real true designer piece, but you would find maybe like a nice coach bag or something like that. So how would you describe this bag? I call it like sort of like a weekend bag. Yeah. Like a weekend bag, like an overnight bag, like a weekend bag. So it's not big enough for like more than like one night. Yeah. It's for, for no, for a woman like us. No, absolutely not. No, much larger. I mean, no, I like, God, last time I went to Vegas, I wound up like just because you have to check a bag on spirit if you want to be a real one do you know what Mm -hmm. i mean like or Mm -hmm. otherwise you're just paying a lot of money to like haul a bag around the airport and like if you're gonna i'm not honestly i'm never gonna take a nice flight to vegas ever like for a one hour flight i am never gonna be like a first class please or like i would like to select my like are you kidding who the fuck do i think i am to be like i want to pick my seat like it's an hour it's an hour it's an hour so i but i packed like basically i packed everything i needed and more so you know she has a very strong memory of filling that bag with some items quickly that night that things happened to her and melissa keeps trying to bring her back down to earth but when you know brooke comes out of it she spots the man in the black baseball cap across the street in the reflection of this window and she's decided this guy is the enemy 
so they run. Brooke like collides into a guy on the street. It's the baseball hat guy. And he's like, Brooke, what are you doing? And like he looks absolutely utterly confused by her confusion, which yeah. I would take as a really good sign, truthfully, for me, I'd be like, if he seems so confused, he must not be my enemy. He must be my friend, which is hopefully how I'm going to win my new Nintendo Switch game, Life is Strange True Colors. Mm -hmm. But yeah, so Melissa and Brooke head to the docks to see the boat. I don't think Melissa's the friend I would take to do this either. So Melissa's like, you're lucky the boat didn't hit the banks. And they get onto the boat. And, you know, Melissa's just like, what were you doing here? And she's like, I don't know, clearing my head. I don't think I was alone here. And Melissa's badgering her a little bit about who else was there. And then Brooke spots the blue keychain on the floor. So it's one of those keychains. It's like floaty. Yeah. So if you drop your boat key in the water, I mean, come on, who invented that? Somebody genius. That's some that's money baby so she's at home rocking away on a rocking chair i will say the sound in this movie is insane the sound designer literally go to hell like between the (laughs) so sorry but between the shoe clomping this rocking chair the fire alarm i know that they were probably not ready for like this to be viewed digitally but i'm also a little bit like you've got to be fucking kidding Yeah. Now she's talking like, you know, she's saying to herself, like, I just need to get a grip. You know, I can't work right now. I just I just need a way to calm down. She's talking to herself. Now she is wearing black slacks, a like tight purple top and Mm -hmm. this like sheer purple, like almost kimono style, but like not printed in any way type sheer purple top over it. And I'll just say that, like, there's no way you could get me into anything that isn't 100% cotton right out of a coma. <laughs> like, the idea of wearing slacks yeah. about, this is about, supposed to be about 24 hours on the other side of her coma. Yeah, it's like, it's back to back. She's still got, like, she's like, her, her wounds are weeping still. So she starts flipping through a photo album. And it's the kind where you like affix the pictures to the paper. There's not like, it's not like the clear whatever. So you can see if something's been moved. How, what would you call that? Like you're an art person. What would you call that when like this like art paper has been like ripped on the top? I don't know. Is there like a term for that? It was just ripped. An abrasion. There's a slight abrasion on the top of this paper. So it's like, you know, it's very obvious that at one point this album was probably put together with pride. But now it's been like haphazardly rearranged. So she seems to take this in finally. And she looks at the pictures on the wall and she goes, how would I have put them? And she asked herself, I thought that was a very interesting phrasing of that question. Mm -hmm. How would I have put them? So she starts to tear apart her cabinets looking for like more photo albums and then michael comes in which i will say by the way that's the first thing i would do i would already have like the minute i get into my quote-unquote new house or new to me house i would have gone through every single closet every single drawer i would i'm a snoop i would have snooped my own stuff Uh, exactly like i'd be like looking for especially now that i know my parents are dead i'd be looking for like my mom's cross or like i'd be looking for 
just like some like, little what did, like what did my dead parents look like yeah tchotchke that hints at like a piece of my past so yeah. she starts to tear apart the cabinets michael comes in and he's like how was the day with melissa did it spark any memories and she's like no not really but i did see a bag though a suitcase and he's mm-hmm. like i wonder what that means do you want to talk to richard about it and she's like i don't think richard is interested in my subconscious wanting to go on a shopping spree and I'm like, Brooke, that's that what- internalized misogyny right there. I know. I was like, Brooke, I don't think you wanted to go shopping when you saw that. No. You wanted to run for your life. So yeah, you were very afraid. He's like, well, Dr. Alvarez says details are important. And I always think it's so interesting the way that they uh, like I've watched this movie three times now. And I will <laughs> say I always think it's so interesting how he seems to be making his own case. Like, yes. A case against him, rather. Yeah. So she's like, you know, he like wants to get more info about the suitcase, but she's not feeling it. And he presses and blah, blah, blah. So she goes, it's brown. Big buckles. They're large. They're gold. And like, she's having like, I don't know, like E.T. It's like like, a full out of body, almost, if it was out of context it almost feels like orgasmic it's the kind of thing the minute she started doing that i was like man if the tiktok kids get a hold of this audio uh, maybe we should on. do that we might, maybe we, we maybe should. should do that is that is that my viral mom we should it do might I, be. I do have a stagnant mother may sleep podcast account because i will say that i find that you're really good at tiktok <laughs> i find you. that it's very difficult to master a niche like Lifetime movies on TikTok mm-hmm. because it is. And like, yes, there's the lady that is super deep divey on Twilight, for example. Yes. But and she's great. But like Twilight has such mass appeal, whereas yeah. like Lifetime movies like, yes, there's some younger people who are definitely into them. And I've had some of them on this podcast. And then there's also some. Like, you know, there's a lot of older people on TikTok. TikTok mm-hmm. is not as, doesn't skew as young as some would, some would believe. No, absolutely not. It's much older than you'd think. I, I regret not lying about my age on my new account. Like when I put my birthday in, I put like something somewhat similar to my real age. I think I said like 1989 instead of 1984. And I did a different like birth date because I'm, I don't know, my friend's husband works in cybersecurity. And like, I think mm. I'm fooling someone, but I'm not yeah. on TikTok. They're never going to no. find you. They know me. So yeah. she starts to see new scenes in her memory, but she clams up. And Michael's like, let's get a bottle of wine and talk about this more by the fire. And she's like, I'm not feeling it. So she's like looking at these missing photos on the wall. That's very much in her, the front of her mind. So Michael and Brooke are in bed that night. And he's, we see this POV just above the bedroom fan and he's like rubbing on her titties trying to initiate sex, which I would be so fucking grossed out. Yes. Like that could be my lover of many years. And I would be like, get your fucking hands off me. I would, I was pretty like when he did that, I was like, I was like, not the time, bro. Cause, but then it was also good because it's like, okay, like he wants to like talk by the fire. He's being very caring. And then like immediately he does something that turns me off. And then I'm like, that's right. You might be the bad guy. 
I mean, this is their second night together post this. Like I, whenever I was reminded of the amount of time that it's been, I was like, oh God, like that is, they do not know this is a stranger to her. So, and also how vulnerable does he have her is or pinned right where he wants her. Exactly. So Brooke has dreams that night that, you know, I was, I was actually, I was surprised that they were sleeping in the same bed, like immediately. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, I guess the only thing is like, maybe I would, yeah, maybe I would sleep on a mat on the floor. I would have, he'd be sleeping on the fucking couch, bro. Like, he needs to be upstairs. He, no, I feel like she's still a little too wonky to be in her own bed. I Maybe. I will say it's a little bit like having like a like a four and a half year old that just got the rails taken off of their bed. Oh, like, do yeah. you know what I mean? She's I not do. really there yet. So she's not there yet. So but, they, but she's definitely not like let's sleep in the same bed there yet. That was that not felt like rubbing on my titties in no. bed type, which by the way is so like I was like, ew, like like fix what your issue with your mom like why are you like why are you like as if that's like a woman's favorite thing to just like have her titties like abrasively rubbed by a man like as if like it kind of was a brace so it was brooke tells michael about her weird dream from the night before and he sounds a little bit impatient now and Mm -hmm. she's like i think i want to talk to richard about it and he's like well richard's gone he's out of town for a few days He's like, and I've got to go back to town too. So Brooke's like, can I come? I want fresh air, which I thought was interesting because like, where is fresher air than her house? Yeah. I was like, she just obviously isn't feeling comfortable at home and she's trying to find comfort. But it is funny to be like, I want fresh air. Like literally you're in a cabin in the woods. But for women, I will say for, I'll speak for myself. My true fresh air is shopping. <laughs> I mean, she needs to get busy. I feel like that's another thing. It's like, I, I can't be bored. I feel like there could have been a better line for that where it could have been like, oh, this is, you know, I need to be busy. I need some stimulation. I need to like wander around. Maybe something will jog my memory. Like I can't be cooped up today. Something. I don't know. It just, but fresh air was a funny turn of phrase considering the situation. Get busy is what I used to say to Wags when you needed to pee outside. Get busy. I'd be like, get busy, Wags. Because I don't like, like, go pee-pee. Like, I'm never going to be that adult that's out there saying that. I'm just never going to be saying go pee-pee to a dog. (laughs) So it was always like, get busy. And he knew what that meant. So he's like, something tells me you haven't forgotten how to use a credit card. And he he drops her off. And what, like, this isn't the most flattering shot of what he did here. Was he dropped her off in what looks like, I don't know, like in a different scene in a Lifetime movie that house that he dropped her off at with like the stacked canoes in front of it would have been a drug den. (laughs) But he drops her off and she's like, you know, she kind of like intelligently, very much to her credit, like steps behind a wall to hide herself. And she sees him pull a U-turn and she's like, that's weird. Right? Yeah. Immediately she's like, this is off. What was your, if you feel free, like, sharing, what was your number one, like, I fucking got him with, like, a a dude? Oh, my God. Well, it's not, it doesn't count because I'm an idiot. And every time I had, like, a very blatant got him, he convinced me that it wasn't 
real. That doesn't matter. And he did that to Brooke in this movie too. I know, right? So I found I found a necklace that was like not mine that he then convinced was mine, even though it obviously wasn't mine. I found text messages because his iPad was connected to his phone and he'd like gone out. He would go out and like leave me at home. And his iPad was like going off, off, off. And I was like trying to figure out how I was actually not snooping for once. And I like went to the iPad and it was like him. There was like messages going back and forth about him, like meeting up with this girl. And I like texted him and I was like, Oh, you're cheating on me. And he started texting and he's like, no, I'm not. I'm coming home. And he like texted all of his friends being like, Oh shit. Alexis knows. Oh, gotta go home. My God. And he still got me. I still, and he also, he was like, he's like, I'm not mad at you for snooping. He's like, we live together. It's fine. Like, what's mine is yours. It's not what you think. And that's not what I meant. And I was so upset. And like, and we were still together for like months after that. No. Oh, I know. I I feel like that's, I, I feel like I had like a few like ladies and gentlemen, we got him moment. He convinced one of the texts was, I got, I was thinking about you when I got dressed this morning. Ew. And he told me that that was a friendship not, thing. That was a friendship thing. Oh yeah. Cause you know how. He's like, no, no, no. Like she's probably just like wearing like an outfit that like I'd like liked or something. It's not like that. And respectfully, they if have this a child ex that I think it is. Like he shouldn't yeah. be thinking about any. Like he should be blacked out when he's getting dressed. Like he should be. <laughs> like literally, I was just like thinking this about a is... fucking thing. It was yeah no the things that he this is probably why I'm so sympathetic with her because it was like every like little like nice thing I'm like oh this is great like maybe my my life isn't on fire like it feels. Yeah. Oh, you just gave me something to think about with the mm. necklace. You just gave me something to hyper fixate on. So oh, thanks. You're welcome. <laughs> no. Yep. Mm-hmm. So, um, Brooke like kind of like walks aimlessly around town and she spots Richard's office and decides to walk in. And when she does, she overhears Michael in there arguing with Richard about her memory. Yes. So here's this clip, 5008 to 5048. Anything she remembers, she could remember everything. She remembered the bag. Look, I'm going to out of town for a few days. Just, just be careful. I'm doing everything I can. Look, uh, I need to show you something. Come on to the car. That's late. It's going to take a second. You hear something? Huh. Come on. What was it? Nothing, I guess. I gotta go anyway, I got an appointment. I'll talk to you later. I, okay. I mean, I feel like Richard is not fully in. Well, I don't think he's fully in. I think that like he know, I think that there. this is when like he knows that they got too big of a like get with like her forgetting everything. And if she's already remembering stuff this fast, like he's just like, we've got to do something like this is not that we are on some shaky ground here. Yeah. Yeah. I, also, yeah. Like, I feel like I will say spoiler alert, I guess like they, he's like, she remembers the bag. 
And there's like never a future thing where we acknowledge what the bag is. Same thing with the keys. When they when she was on the boat with Melissa and she finds the keys and then she like has like a panic attack, like vision, and then like runs off. Like nothing really happens with those keys to like explain why they would be so scary to her or triggering. Right. Or like, why is this bag so like important? Like, it's just a bag. It's just a bag. Like it's, it's, it was never like, the thing is, it's so unsatisfying. Yeah. Oh my God. I'm spiraling about the necklace thing. Okay. So the two men like part ways and somehow if, you, Brooke- if you're really nice to me off offline, I'll tell you whose necklace it was. Oh, no, I know. Oh, oh, okay. I actually don't know that. Okay. <laughs> I'm stick to my stomach. Okay. So the two men part ways, Brooke got out of the building. I don't know how she got out of the building. Mm-hmm. She calls the detective and is like, can I see you soon? So this is the female detective whose business card she had found at the house earlier. And the detective's like, how are you doing? You know? And she's like, why were you following us yesterday? Is Michael a suspect? And I was like, yesterday? Yeah. Because that felt like two days ago to me in this movie. But anyways, the detective's like, well, he is a person of interest. What is it that you remember about him? She's like, not much. And she's like, listen, Michael does not have a solid alibi. The detective says this. He does not have a solid alibi. We asked around about the engagement. No one knew that you guys were engaged. The doctor from the hospital says she never saw a ring. The detective says she'll look into Richard out out like Alvarez. And that's basically Mm -hmm. like it. And she tries to get a little bit more out of Brooke, but it's it's hard. And it seems like Michael is hiding something from her. She has no memory of of abuse or anything like that and the detective's like listen if you don't look start looking at things a little bit more critically this will probably be viewed as an accident there Mm -hmm. are no witnesses you're not dead the only person who can tell them what happened is you so this is like very key right so like it is true this is exactly like like brooke's getting a little bit too much attention for someone that lived yes Especially in a situation where it's like, who can really know the ins and outs? I mean, this is the first thing a cop would say if you were raped is like, who knows the ins and outs of your relationship? Right. Also, like, there's a, it's like you were on a boat. I feel like like a lot of accidents happen. I'm very afraid of boat. Yeah. And like, like, I feel like a lot of people get really fucked up on boats. I know. Like, it's not like "Mm, somebody chased you. She's also not telling anybody ostensibly that she remembers being chased or being scared. It, well, oh, yeah, for sure. Like, even when, yeah, the doctors asked her what happened, she wouldn't say, she doesn't say a peep. So it's like, you know, in that way. And also, you're right. There was no toxicology report or anything like that that would imply that maybe she was drugged or drunk, which is, I think is the go-to whenever there's a boat accident. I remember poor Naya Rivera, like, went up against a lot of Mm-hmm. criticism as potentially you know people being like was she drinking on that boat with her son and it's like no she rented a boat and there was maybe like a stray can of beer because i guess that lake that she was in is like a real it's shit like a party hole. lake yeah. yeah so brooke is back in town she's walking around she spots michael in a store with melissa and she just like kind of crawls back into a little bit of a it's like behind like a little vanity gate i guess you could say maybe where they lock people out at night and she spots michael with with melissa she cries melissa follows him out and she's like you forgot something and he walks by completely not noticing her which 
again, does not feel like fiance material because like I would recognize like my boyfriend sent anywhere. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like, oh, yeah. it's like you're kind of like, oh, okay. Like not in a way that's like, I've ever dated someone who like smells particularly, but like you no, just people have sm- sense. You can just, it's, it's sense. So can like, so attached to memory. I know I read like some Reddit the other day where like a guy was saying that he just hated his girlfriend's natural scent, <gasps> but not like her, not like her downstairs scent or anything just like, like her, that. Her like her musk. literal, like, yes. And I was like, oh, that's so scary, yeah. right? To like think that like to I don't know, just the idea that like because I know I've been like I've I've dated someone whose voice I hated, mm-hmm. and that is scary. Like it's very scary when like you're dating someone and you're like unnerved by their voice. I don't know how else to describe it. It's kind of spook. It's kind of spooky town. Yeah, a little bit. So Brooke runs away and almost gets hit by Melissa, who's like drive pulling out in her little. I mean, all these people drive cars that don't seem real for their characters. Like you would think that Michael would be in an SUV. Mm-hmm. I do not picture Melissa driving around in like a little hatchback. It's very interesting. So, like Brooks, absolutely, you know, <laughs> mid panic attack. I'm gonna play just this scene, fifty five seventeen to fifty six thirty one. You want to talk about it? Not really. Look at you, you're shaking. Okay, okay. I'm sorry. Brooke, I know you don't remember everything that happened and that you're going through a rough time right now, but we're best friends and we tell each other everything. I just wanted to get back to that. Is there something you'd like to tell me? About what? What's going on with you and Michael? Are you serious? There's nothing going on between Michael and I. I saw you guys this afternoon. Brooke, I swear, there's nothing going on. You're my best friend. Save it. Brooke? Brooke, what's going on? You tell me what's going on. What happened? Okay. <laughs> I was dying at the way he asked what happened. What? I realized in this scene that they are they very much look like the poor man's, and I hate that expression, but they look like the Marshall's version of, like, Kate Hudson and... Mila Kunis. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes, exactly. Like she really like Elizabeth Rome really is channeling some Kate Hudson energy here. And whoever's playing Melissa, like looks so much like Mila Kunis, who, by the way, I love and and gives a delightful interview. Really? Yeah. Mila Kunis gives a great interview. Okay. So Brooke lets herself back into the house and they cut to like her coming in kind of like oddly. I felt like a very odd cut. And Michael bursts in and wants to know what happened. And she smacks him across the face when he denies the truth. 
she saw him and her supposed best friend hanging out and like glomming on to each other in a shop. And he's like, no, no, we need to go to dinner. Okay. I, I will explain everything to you at dinner. And when you like think about what it is he's planning on doing at dinner, just do it now. Pigeon stop. Yeah. She's, pigeon's marking my microphone right now. It just do. I know she's very, this girl's gotten is very sweet because I've ever since I intimidated her existence by bringing, I guess, a bonded pair that don't speak to each other. (laughs) But he's like, okay, we're going to dinner. So she's like, give me one reason to trust you. He's like, I'll give you plenty of reasons if you just say yes. So they get ready for dinner that night. Michael cannot tie his tie right. And it's infuriating him. Mm-hmm. Which is like such small penis energy. Not that he can't tie his tie, but that he can't just like own it. Yeah, just like be okay with that. I love a guy that's like, I don't know how to tie a tie. Yeah. Because it feels like real small potatoes. Yeah. Yeah. Like with one of my exes, I would always have to, like, because I was a waitress that had to wear a tie. So, like, I learned how to tie one. So, I would always just tie it on myself and then like give it to him like a little noose (laughs) and be like, just slip this on. So they get to dinner. Sorry, Brooke's getting ready for dinner too. And she finds a lockbox in her vanity or like something like it. And Mm -hmm. he's like, we've got to go. We've got to go. So they get to the restaurant. It's very awkward right away. And he's looking at the menu. Yeah. And what I wrote as like an animal. Yeah. Do you know he's what attacking I'm attacking it? Like you, it's very aggressive. It's like kind of like it's like, did you come here for a fucking meal or what are you doing? Mm-hmm. So Brooke says that she spoke to the detective. No one knows about their engagement, and the doctor couldn't didn't find a ring in her possession. And he's like, That's true. She didn't have a ring because she wasn't wearing one. They had a fight that night, and I just took it off. She wants to know what they fought about, and he's like, it doesn't matter. So the night that she wore that dress last, he's like, do you know that last time you wore this dress? And she's like, no. (laughs) Like, why would she know that? Why would she know? She doesn't know anything. And he's like, we were having dinner at a fancy rooftop restaurant that was way too expensive. I professed my love, and, you know, he's basically like, the accident made me reevaluate everything. You know, ask Richard. Which is like. That's so manipulative to be like, ask your therapist. Yeah. Mm. So he pulled out a ring box and puts it on the table. She's absolutely shocked. Inside, there's this huge ring, and he gets on bended knee and proposes to her. And he's like, that's why I was with Melissa earlier. I was getting you your ring. I don't want to lose you again. So I want this to be a second chance for you to be my wife. And she's like, you know, I thought all this time that you and Melissa were up to something. And I'm like, all this time. (laughs) Thank God it's five hours. It's been 72 hours max, like max based off of the way that this time has gone. Like what? Like all of this time. I, I just thought I just thought that was so strange. So, you know, she's like you must think I'm horrible. And he's like, you are. You're a horrible, horrible person. And that's why I'm in love with you. Which reminded me of John Mulaney saying, my wife is a bitch and I love her very much. And then cheating on her with Olivia Munn. (laughs) Yep. So what do you think about the Try Guys situation? Uh, Deeply, I didn't know who they were. 
before it happened. I was very surprised that my TikTok FYP became overrun with Try Guys in a way that like even it didn't with the Adam Levine stuff. I just thought it was wild how it like usurped that so quickly. But I guess it just goes to show for internet people. But it's like... I think, was it you who said, somebody was talking, doing like a comedy, like breakdown of it about basically like they had to differentiate themselves. And like his only thing was like, he's married. Oh, so we like stuff to do it. It was food, fun. Oh no, Fashion. food, love, fun, gay. That's their, that's their slogan, which I was so surprised to tell Tiffany. Cause I was like, what a slogan to build a brand off of is food, love, fun, gay. Yeah, like it, it definitely like the way like coming into it super, super cold. I was like, oh, yeah, you guys obviously totally just like fell into this. Like there was no big plan because wife guy is not sustainable. But mm-hmm. and also like, you know, it just it's it's just so cliche, dude. Like it's just so I am never, ever ever surprised when a comedy guy especially one who's like kind of mean-spirited can't keep it in his pants i guess he is kind of mean-spirited right like that I mean, was- people are obviously picking out and choosing and that's what i'm seeing on my fyp like i'm not going through and like watching their like entire oeuvre but sure. like, <laughs> no but, like, i'm no. seeing a lot of stuff and i'm like oh like he's he's i feel like i would have picked up that like he was like the main one so I wanted to push your episode up. We've recorded a couple other SVU episodes, but I wanted to push your episode up because it's been like a couple few weeks since we've done like a good movie. Mm-hmm. So this will air appropriately on time. But yeah, I just was like, I was really, I don't know. I was surprised to find out that like he was a little bit unpopular. I was also embarrassed to admit that I even knew who they were. <laughs> like, cause I, I unknowingly followed one of them, not knowing that he was part of like any of this. Yeah. And like, that's, a, I think that's the thing too, is that like half of them have their own thing going on. And mm-hmm. then the other two were sort of just like the most plainest white men out of the yeah. two of them were kind of just like fully try guys. So I don't know, but anyway, so this is key, okay? So he goes like, I planned ahead. I got a minister for tomorrow. <laughs> he cringes waiting for the response. And she's finally like, okay, yeah. And he's like, I'll take care of everything. Nothing fancy. And Brooke has a little bit of a look on her face. And she's just like, I just wish my sister could come. You know, I, and he's like, don't worry about it. Let's toast the future. So Brooke goes into the bathroom and runs into an old friend from town. This is just a like a, great character actress 30 seconds i want to play so good 103 24 to 104 11 i couldn't help it over here congratulations thank you very much i always thought you made a good couple oh i'm sorry do i know you oh that's right i forgot about that you know it's it's all right i work at the coffee shop Double shot hazelnut latte with room for extra cream. <laughs> That's very good. <laughs> like an elephant. Remember when my husband and I got engaged, I was terrified. We were already engaged. Oh. Yeah, we're just making plans for the date. You two were engaged? Wow, I, I had no idea. Okay. I mean, 
the the lady okay the clamping on the feet is great but the lady Mm -hmm. at the coffee shop wouldn't necessarily be privy to this information but this would completely unnerve me oh yeah like there's like no reason she would necessarily know and i love that she just like walks out and just like leaves yeah just like oh i've given you information that you don't know or like there's no follow-up questions it's just like "Mm, drop it bye (laughs) yeah i want to give a shout out to her like there wasn't a lot of people that got like an under five in this movie and i thought that she did a really good job yeah she did so we get home that night and also she's like of the right age, right? Where you would believe that maybe she's in her retirement and mm-hmm. is working at a coffee shop because she's like kind of an odd age to be working at a coffee shop, but maybe not if you have money and you want to stay busy. Yeah, exactly. That's what I, that was my read also. I was like, oh, you, this was like your fun retirement job. Like, oh, I'm just going to like be in this little town and enjoy my coffee shop for the rest of her her lifetime movie was actually a hallmark movie 20 years ago yeah for sure <laughs> what do like you she think was the big was? city life and then she moved off and then she's like actually i'm gonna stay in this idyllic little town with my coffee shop and my husband who i was so scared to be married to so they get home that night and they can barely keep their paws off of each other okay it's very they're very horny it's very horny and there's a man outside watching them. And Michael seems very excited to express his love to her physically. So mm-hmm. the morning after they made love, ew, they kiss goodbye. And Brooke looks like literally Brooke doesn't skip a beat, though. Like, yes, she just had sex with this man, but she's not deluded. She's like, OK, like maybe she just wanted to get a little strange. Exactly. Maybe she just wanted to get a little like piece of ass. <laughs> So she looks through that box that she had found in her vanity. There's like, you know, a lot of solo pictures of them. And she gets her clearest flashback so far from that night. And she starts to match up photos in the box and realize that they're basically like composite images of the pictures that are on the wall, which are so true. Like, it's like a picture of her, like smiling in like a snowy field. And then Mm -hmm. like it, they, he's literally just inserted a side profile shot of himself into the picture. So she digs through her paperwork and realizes that their financials are very different from what she was told. She finds out that the milk company Michael said he was working for was a sham. Their management offices are in Tucson. Yeah. So she calls the detective to meet up and she corroborates Michael's story that he works in marketing. She promises to run Michael's prints, etc. Richard's office says that he's out of town and Brooke is like, Am I silly to hope I'm wrong about this? And it's like, no. No. Who would want to believe this? Yeah, nobody. No one would want to believe this. And like, oh my God, God, I wonder how far he could have gotten me. Oh my gosh. Like, if he wasn't so desperado to have a wedding, which that would be a huge thing for me. It wouldn't even be the wedding. It'd be like all of the like, why are you trying to abrase my boobs? Yeah, I think that's, that's where I would have been like, mm, I don't like you anymore. Stranger danger. Ye- you're right. You're right. That too. And then, but also the quickie wedding is just a little. Yeah, like, that is like a lot. She wasn't in a coma long enough to forget how men work. You know what I mean? Right. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So we cut to Seattle. Brooke is meeting with, I guess, like her financial manager. And he's like, there's no paperwork indicating that you were ever engaged. Like there was no listed beneficiary. And Brooke's like, well, 
you know, can you show me anything about Michael's income? And, you know, he's like, no, I don't have any information about that. And she's like, but it's his account. And he's like, no, ma'am, this money is in your account. You inherited it from your parents. So this is crazy. Okay. So she's like, no, he said this was like our bank. And like, she's like, so we can't receive the money. And he's like, no, not unless you're married and something happened. And she's like, well, how much is in the account? So they did a really like good slash poor job of this. But basically, like, you know, any banker's never going to write down, like, they're never going to like verbally tell you your sum. Yeah. So he writes down a number and based on the piece of paper, you can see like the light shining through it. It's either 20 million or 60 million. Yeah. It's a big number though. Yeah. It's like it's definitely tens of millions. It's a, it's a lot. It's like it's a, a lot, lot of fucking money, dog. Like it's a 2009 lot. money too. Dude, tw- like, can you imagine? First of all, like, it depends on how this guy writes his twos or his sixes, but I would say it's probably 20 million. My- and then I was like, wait a minute, maybe that's a six. But $20 million, and also to have just $20 million in a bank account is so fucking stupid. Mm-hmm. Like, like, keep a million cash, sure. But all of that money should be in investments. Like, it's insane yeah. that she just has $20 million sitting in a fucking personal savings. Cash. So we cut to the docks where Brooke is going home. She has to take the ferry back. And the man in the baseball hat is on the ferry again. And she, like, completely, like, runs away once she sees him. But he follows her to her car and he gets in the passenger seat. Let's play this clip of him confronting her. One eleven oh seven to one eleven fifty six. What's wrong with you? This isn't your car. What do you want? What I want? It's me, Reynolds. Your trainer? I had an accident. I'm having a difficult time with faces. So what, you've been running away from me, Thud? You thought I was trying to hurt you. You, you came to my house. We had an appointment. I'm sorry. You must think I'm losing my mind. Hey, don't worry about it. I'm, I'm sorry I didn't know. Hey. Here. Call when you're feeling up to start working out again, okay? So he's just her personal trainer. Mm-hmm. And like, that is such a sweet, like actual personal trainer thing to do. Like, cause yeah. one, they care about your physicality. They care about your health. Like that is truthfully, like that is there. If you have a good physical trainer, like that is what they care about. Yes. But like, secondly, like, I like you do grow a bond with someone like that, especially if you are someone that deals with someone where you know they're not dealing with a lot of other people. You know, mm-hmm. you like take care of them a little bit. Where she, you know, Brooke even admits herself later on, like she's a bit naive because she was working at home all the time. So yeah. Brooke calls her sister. Hello? Courtney? Who is this? Brooke. 
I know that we have... haven't talked in a while, but... I had an accident on the boat. Oh, Brooke. Please, I, I can't remember. I can't, I can't remember my house. My fiancé, Michael, I, I, I can't remember why. You and I are fighting. Wait a second, you didn't actually get engaged that deadbeat, did you? And I bet you didn't get a prenup either. Isn't marriage based on trust? You cannot get engaged to a guy that you have only known a couple of months. But we've been engaged for longer than that. Listen, Brooke. When Mom and Dad gave us their estate, they put their trust in us. I I'll call you back. Who's on the phone? Wrong number. And when she gets off the phone, she's like, it's a wrong number. So she's hiding from Michael that she's speaking to her sister again. What did you think about the sister? Like, do you think that they ever really got in a fight about him? Or do you think she was just like, stop? I think I can see, like, I can see, like, a naive girl, like, really thinking it's love. And then, like, a smarter sister being like, I don't think this is good. And then the younger sister being like, well, you know what? You don't understand me. Bye. You're jealous. You're jealous. You don't know my life. This yeah. is love. You know? And then, like, not talking to her ever again. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, could, I mean, yeah, I could see that. I feel like, I don't By know. By the way, though, like, the whole, the whole thing crumbles under any kind of investigation, though. Because if you were to have, like, a... a all, like a life altering accident, you know, family puts these things aside. Doesn't matter what you're fighting about, but he doesn't want her to call him because she, you know, yeah, it's. I uh, saw a tweet last night. Now I am not the Bravo head I used to be. I actually haven't watched it in quite some time, but like I am aware of the family dynamics of the Richard sisters. Mm -hmm. And Danny Pellegrino tweeted something to the effect of like, the way that Kyle just like sits back and watches Rena trash her sister Kathy like blows my mind because in my family, we hate each other in private and have each other's <laughs> backs in public. And I was like, that's so true. That's so true. Like if someone like would were to like fuck with one of my cousins or like one of my aunties or like whatever, I would literally like. I mean, like, I'm in, on good terms with all of those people. Do you know what I mean? Well, maybe Fiona. Actually, if it was just Fiona, who I love, everyone on this podcast knows Fiona because everyone knows that, like, Fiona is my greatest friend and my greatest foe. Like, you mm -hmm. know, as a Leo and a Capricorn, we struggle, you know? Yep. But I do love my Fifi. But, like, also, she's, like, a grade A cunt and, like, always has been. Mm -hmm. and, but, like, I would kill for her. You know, like I really would. And I don't and I would hope she, I think she would kill for me, too. Like, it's just sort of that thing where it's like, you know, we battle it out, but like, absolutely not. So Brooke is getting fitted in a red dress in a bridal like kind of room at a dress shop. Right. Which, by the way, so here I come back into colors because I'm like, oh, this is like a big change she's gone from purple 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 and now she's in like a vibrant red and red is passion and love and fire and that does feel appropriate and by the way like i do love the idea of an untraditional wedding gown like i've always felt like i wanted to get married in black if i ever got married mm -hmm. right that's just like first of all i don't think i keep a white dress clean all day <laughs> but secondly like, I just don't think I'm a white dress kind of bitch. Like, I feel like I'm a little bit more, like, on one than that. But then everyone yeah. started to do 
black and then I was like pissed off, right? Because I was like, oh, okay, all the basics. But I thought it was interesting that Melissa chose red for her first. I mean, it is the color of revenge. 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 But I don't know if she was in a place of revenge at this point. And so I just was like, it's your first wedding, babe. It's not like you are like a, that's a wedding dress I would expect for a mother of three on her like third marriage. Yeah. So Melissa comes in. She's getting fitted. She's the only other girl that's going to be at the wedding. And Melissa's like, red is your power color. So then Detective Wagner calls. And, you know, Melissa's not privy to any of this. It's just being told to Brooke. But they got a positive ID on Michael Taylor. He's from Nevada. And he has three restraining orders on him from other women and works for a modeling agency. They were never engaged. And, she, like, you know, Brooke's like, like, uh, you know. And she's like, well, I'm going to go over to your place right now. And Brooke's like, don't do that. I've got it. I've got and take care. Like, it's all set. So. Melissa is like, you know, I want to go. I want to go with you. When are you going? But Brooke has a question first. She's like, a year and a half ago, when he asked me to marry him, what did I say? And she's like, you said it was the happiest day of your life. So Brooke knows that Melissa's not a real one now. Yeah. So Brooke looks deep into the mirror and starts to flash back to memories of her getting into a car to run away from Michael. And she like falls to the floor in agony. When Michael gets home that night, there's this also, like, by the way, this is the first appearance of her cell phone. Yeah, that's true. Cause like I will no, Alexis, that's so fucking true. Because there were so many moments where he was like, I'll drop you off in town. And it's like, is this like when I was in high school and my mom was like, I'll pick you up at the minute, man. Like, you know how I'm yeah. from like Lexington. So like we'd be on the battle green. <laughs> right. And my mom would be like, I'll pick you up at the minute man statue or something because like, it's just a common location to meet. Like exactly. it did feel a little bit like she was a teenager out with spending money. Yeah. Meeting. No, it did. And then, but just so when they called and she's like on the cell phone and then she drops the cell phone and I was like, wait, where did the cell phone come from? <laughs> I know. Like it feels, I know, especially for 2009. Mm-hmm. It was viable that not everyone had a cell phone. Yeah. Like, I definitely knew people that, like, my main way of connecting with them was through email or, like, calling a house line and leaving yeah. a message. Still. exactly. So, when Michael gets home that night, there's this sort of, like, comically witchy music playing. and she- Oh, and then I also want to say, also, because with the, the detectives calling her, and she's like, it's fine, everything's fine, bye. And it's just like, why wouldn't... They're like, doesn't she know how much danger she's in? And that's when I wish it was a little bit more SVU, where they were like, she might be with him and not being able to say anything. I mean, I'll just say that if I was a detective, I would not be taking a coma victim, like, who was, like, yeah. pushed off of a boat, and we just found out that her fiancé was, like, a fucking poacher if i had found that out i absolutely would not be like yeah it's on you babe do you know what i yeah. mean like figure it out I'll, t- I'll take your word for it so yeah and especially on this small island like the fact that they even have detectives on this small island like, what the fuck are they doing <laughs> so you know she's pouring champagne in her dress and he's like, Hey, like, you know, they start to kiss and he's like, Hey, the minister is going to be here soon. And she like is seducing him. They start to make out on top of the piano. Heavy. Here's, here's the big scene. The big reveal. One sixteen fifty seven to one twenty one eleven. 
Sweetheart, the minister's gonna be here any minute. He's not coming. Why? Come on, let's just do this privately, you and I. I don't like your thinking. First, you know we should make a toast, don't you think? <laughs> okay. the future, Mr. and Mrs. Coleman. I'll drink to that. Mmm. You remembered my favorite label. Yeah, I'm remembering a lot of things. What else do you remember? Well, I went to the bank today, and you know, they told me the funniest thing. Huh? Yeah, the money. It turns out it's all mine. You mean ours? No, I mean mine. But don't worry, I've... Transferred it all to an offshore account. What? Just to be safe. What? I thought that was a really good idea. Why would you do that? Maybe for the same reason you doctored every photo in this house. What? For the reason you put a ring on my finger and made me believe that we were engaged. Sure, I already explained that. Let me tell you a little story about a woman who inherits a large sum of money from her parents. She's a little lonely, you know, she doesn't get out very often. She works from home, which makes her vulnerable. And one day, along comes a nice, handsome man. But it turns out he's not so nice. She thinks that he loves her, but all he really wants is her money. He wants to marry her, but she refuses. And when he becomes violent, she tries to run away. The next thing you know, she wakes up in a hospital room without any of her memories at all. But he, he does everything he can in his power to make her forget how hard it all really was. I mean, he goes so far, he even gets a friend to pretend to be her psychiatrist. I mean, what was his angle? Was he gonna get a cut of the money, too? It's hard to build a relationship based on lies, isn't it? Brooke! Just in time. She knows. What? She transferred the money. Where? Somewhere you can't touch it. Offshore! What's wrong with him? Well, I guess the sedatives I gave him didn't mix well with the champagne. Where is it? So you were the one following me all the time, just waiting for the right moment to make your move. <gasps> Where? Go ahead and shoot me, but unless we're married, he's not gonna get a dime, which means you're not gonna get a dime. We should've killed you the first time. Oh yeah? What were you gonna do? Kill me after the wedding and live happily ever after on all of my money? Let me ask you a question. Because there are three women out there with restraining orders against him. Is that the kind of guy that you want to be with? I mean, it takes a real man to add a woman, you know what I'm saying? You know? I mean, you really want to be with a real man. <laughs> you tell me how to access the account. You don't have a choice. You think you're so smart, huh? You think you got everything figured out. Let me kill him. No, 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 no. She's gonna tell us where the money is. You know what your problem's always been? 
You're too stubborn. No, she's not going to tell you anything. Oh, yes, she is. She's going to tell me everything I want to know because she knows there's not going to be any second chance. I mean, I don't think it's shocking. No. But it is. I mean, it's it disappointing. Is. It's disappointing. And it's not shocking. And he and she, it, I just like love how she went from like just totally, you know, innocent. And then now she is femme fatale. She's Black Widow. She's got a scheme and she's got accusations and she's got a red dress. And she is playing fast and loose with like a dangerous criminal. Yeah, it's very strange. So, like, I mean, Melissa, of all people, I kind of was like, I mean, she definitely had this guilt. Yeah, I wondered if Melissa was one of the women that had a restraining order against him. That's a really good point. Or if she was just a new one that got caught up in the mix, but maybe knew the other girls from the modeling agency and was trying Mm -hmm. not to believe it. Yeah. She seems a little victim blamey. So a fight ensues. I, I'm not doing the trying to choreograph this shit anymore, but all you need to know is that Brooke is like starts to, after a lot of, you know, punch and slap and whatever, Brooke runs out of the house. One of her shoes breaks and she just like leaves both of her shoes behind like a true G and like <laughs> runs into the woods, which by the way, yeah, no, you never want to bring heels into the woods. So absolutely not. It's like a real cat and mouse game. He's like, where are you, bitch? You know, and then like an eagle or something flies over. We don't re- like ever really get the info on like why we hear like a caca. Like it's like a very clear eagle. And he finds her. He tries to strangle her like into telling him where the money is. And she knocks him out. And a little bit later, we see an ambulance at the house. The neighbor heard the gunshots and they've arrested Megan and Richard. Was I calling her Melissa? Is that her name? Oh, yeah. Okay. I don't know why I called her Megan here. Melissa and Richard, he and Michael did this to a girl in Portland. Hopefully this won't happen again, thanks to her. And Brooke is like, it's okay. I'm ready to rebuild my life. Like, she's literally so moved on. It's kind of amazing. She's like, yep, I figured. Her sister pulls up and gives her a hug and she's, you know, she's like, I was terrified. And she's like, you were right. He just wanted the money. And her sister admits that she was just jealous because Brooke seemed to have something that she had always wanted. She was too protective of the estate and it almost cost her her only sister. And they hug and we get the feeling that the two of them will never be separate again. Never again. Okay. While we have a little bit of time. Yeah. I think this is the fastest we've ever gone through a Lifetime movie in the history of the show. While we have a little bit of time, let's unpack. What were some of the, what were some of your favorite moments? I loved, I will say, I loved the, like, when you were talking about it, it, like, reminded I really got, like, full body in there. Because this film, like, really actually built tension really well. Like, I was really just, like, a, just a flag in the wind, just like going wherever the wind was blowing. It's like, I was tense now. I trust him now and everything like that. But when she was hiding in the town after he did the U-turn and she's like sneaking into the doctor's office, like I was like so scared for her. I was too. I I was very, I actually did. I, I, one thing I love about these movies that I, I always look for is I look for like, I look for like a job specialty. I always love a job specialty where I get to Mm -hmm. learn a little bit about like a new career. I didn't Mm -hmm. really get that in this movie, but I do love the suspense of like a nineties movie. 
where yeah, it was very yeah it was a 90s suspense and kind of 90s sexy towards the end they got you know start getting hot and heavy in that in the end of it as much as they could i was a as little much as they could. Yeah, obviously worried about her because i, I mean she's definitely like has amnesia yes and i was a little bit like i don't know if you have the agency you think you do not to really try and take that away from her but i was like i just don't know that you have this agency that you feel you do no exactly i want to read a eight out of ten review this was just written in april 2021 so you notice like with some of these some of them are written way back in the day some of them are written more recently i think a lot of them came in during quarantine but this is eight out of ten this is from lavich on april 7 2021 it's a good amnesia film that's the that's (laughs) miss brooke harris has suffered a violent encounter on a boat in which her assailant attacked her and tossed her into the water after being in a coma brooke awakens the realization that she has lost her memory Desperate Escape chronicles Brooke's struggle to regain her past and understand who wants her dead. In her recovery, Brooke's caretaker is her fiancé, Michael Coleman. I do fucking appreciate the people so fucking hardcore on IMDb who, like, take the time to write out the characters' names. Because I won't say that, like, yes, we're, we're reviewing these on IMDb, so this information is generally available. But, like... Still. Still, like... I feel like I sometimes watch these movies and I'm not even thinking his name is Michael Coleman, even though I know that. So it says Michael is able to turn on the charm and seems devoted, but something does not quite add up about Michael as Brooke has selective memory flashes and notices anomalies in the photographs on the walls. Brooke's best, anom- I don't know if anomalies is the right word. Brooke's bestie, Melissa, also appears to be suspicious, especially in her contradictory statements about Brooke's engagement to Michael. Yet another character that raises concerns for Brooke is her psychiatrist, Dr. Richard Alvarez, the doctor who wants to guide Brooke into relaxation and to focus on, quote, details. But the oily shrink may have another agenda. Really? The oily shrink. I like Amazing. that. I know. I like the writing here. So mm-hmm. while the film was a by-the-numbers thriller, it was also well-directed with an especially dynamic use of close-ups. <laughs> I thought, uh, like, this is, I'm actually blown away by this review. The anxiety would register on Brooke's face just as, just as the sly and subtle reactions of Michael would evoke uncertainty about his motivations. The best part of this film was the ending, in which there was a moving reconciliation of Brooke with her sister Courtney. Before Brooke's, quote, accident, the sisters had a falling out due to Courtney's opinion that Michael was a, quote, deadbeat. It turns out that Courtney was right. The bonding of the sisters was a heartfelt final touch at the end of a herring ordeal. Oh, my God. Yeah, I mean, like, I think this is a great, I think this is a great review. Babe, I love it. There's some longer ones. This one is mean. Here's a mean one from RPS-2. This is written on May 24, 2011. So, like, we are coming out of the, like, we're in the after effects of the recession here. Like, people are not really happy. This is a 2 out of 10, okay? Mediocrity triumphs again. Canada grows some excellent wine. We discovered insulin and invented the rotary snowblower, but we're not very good at making movies. <laughs> okay, this is like... <laughs> this is so heavy. No, I know. 
No, like, and, and this is the attitude I appreciate people bringing to mm-hmm. a fucking Lifetime movie review. Serious. If you're going to be real, like, every Lifetime movie is roughly a five. Yeah. And every Lifetime movie is like, I don't know, it was, it was like, kind of good. Like, I feel like I, like, like, for a, from a woman's POV, I feel like I kind of learned something about domestic abuse or, like, gaslighting or whatever. And, you know, overall, everyone did a good job, right? Yeah. I love someone holding a flame to this movie like this. I just so, like the love of the standard is, like, inventing life-saving insulin. And then this movie did not... They don't make good movies, that's what he says, but they do make a good TV show. Shout out to Graphic. Oh my gosh. Best TV I have so show. many Canada TV shows. Do you, do, I mean, I don't think that you love Degrassi. I never, I could never get into it. You were really into it and you tried to get me into it and I couldn't get into it. Probably also though, because I didn't have the internet and I don't think it was on DVDs in my blockbuster. No. To take a full circle. <laughs> no, we were also so into, and I was thinking about this the other night, you and I were so into Amoeba. Like we would oh always God. go to Amoeba and buy like yes. just like whatever DVD series. Like I remember being able to like hunt down the original Anna Nicole DVDs, which like you can't, they're like a million dollars on yeah. eBay now. No, we get and they and the cost there for those box sets. And this is when people were buying box sets were really, really good because sometimes those things, even at the time, would be like 50, 60 bucks. And you could get something for like under $20 that was awesome and like complete and not like damaged. 1999. Like I yeah. remember buying like every season of 90210. Like I would finish a season and then I'd like go and look for the other ones. And it was so like those were the things that glued me together during my mm-hmm. most broken and broke time where I was like, well, I don't really like I have cable for work. I had cable for work at one point, you know, I so it was that, like a yeah. work expense. Well, Alexis, this was a way better movie for us than Good. what was the first one? The Art of Art? The Art of the Kill or something like that? The Art, Art of, the, of the Kill. Was it that? The if it Art- wasn't that, that should be the, that should be the title. <laughs> Okay, let me look up. Uh, it was like, let me. I feel like if I just type art into my art of murder, the art of murder, the art of murder, like which is such a bad title for that yeah. movie. But yeah, like I mean, that movie was like good because we got your. I learned that that guy was a real painter. We got your <laughs> absolute takes on everything, which are, are so important. We always love a professional stepping in. But this is like, I felt a true good Alexis movie. Yeah. Do you have any thoughts or do you have any like things? You know, we've both been through it. I don't know if I'm necessarily in the place to like give. I think you're so in a good place, which is why I wanted to do this with you. Oh. No, I do. Like, I really do like think you're in such a good place. Like when I talk to you about like anything, you're like, mm, no. And this is and this is why. And you're like, you're very like good, but not in a way that's like poisonous. Like you're just very matter of fact. And it's like, oh, oh, you're really true. And sometimes it can be hard to hear, but you're true. This is my thing. So what is your what's like your number one piece of advice for people who might be in a relationship that they're like, I don't know, this guy. my number one piece of advice, I am terrible at taking myself until you know, Oh, same. You know, obviously, let's take that with a, let's be honest about that. Is that like, this isn't it, right? Like there is always somebody else. Like it feels like this is all you have. And it might feel like that even if you break up for a while. 
but that is so far from the truth. And like being in relationships like that are there, they are purposefully isolating. That's how they sustain themselves. And sometimes they do it like overtly. Sometimes it's subconsciously. Sometimes you're doing it yourself because you're not proud of where you are. And so, you you know, and so you start to self-isolate. That's a Um, really good point, Alexis. Wait a minute, not to interrupt, but that's a really good point because I don't think a lot of people bring that up. And I will, I, I agree that we all pass down the same patchwork quilt of advice to each other that we may need to like warm us another time. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't think like any of us are exempt from our own advice, but that is such a good point that like sometimes people self isolate because they're like, well, I don't, maybe I I am the wrong one. Yeah. Like maybe I don't deserve feeling good. This person that's supposed to make me feel good is not making me feel good. And maybe it's something wrong with me and I'm not proud of myself and my friends are doing better and they don't want to, you know, I don't want to be a burden and I'm, or I'm embarrassed or I'm ashamed and all of that can lead to self-isolating. I know that like when I've been in bad relationships, you know, one in particular that you know about, you know, not only was I like, was he isolating me purposely, I was also Mm self-isolating. And so it was, you know, it was really, it was really, really, you know, doubly hard. And I have to take it, you know, I, I have taken account for like what it took to get me out of that and how long it took. And I'm forgiven myself for how long it took to get me out of that. Like even like after we got, I got rid of him or he got rid of me. <laughs> Let's be honest. Well, he broke there's up with me. something about the cocoon of negativity a yeah. little bit where you're like, it's very like the, that cocoon of negativity is like, it's so deep because you are doing growth and you don't even know it then, yeah, but then don't. bitch, like, no, you're right. You're so right. It's always better to just but it's, break it's, the fuck up with someone. It's better to, because it's, it's I, the thing that I also learned is it's so much better to be happy alone than miserable together. And they'll always come back. Oh my God. Yeah. And, but like, yeah, it's, but it's not the end. Like, it's just always, like, I think this goes for, for lovers, for husbands, wives, for jobs, for, you know, like so many things. Like, it just, it feels like this is going to be it. Yeah. And it's just, it's just, the world is so much bigger than that. Like you've just gotten so hyper-focused on like what you're upset or concerned or stressed out about that. Like you can't, your blinders are so big that you can't see that there's like a huge wide world. And I'm not saying that dating is awesome. Dating fucking sucks. I hated it. But it took me a really long time <laughs> to get, you know, to where I am now. And hopefully I don't have to do it again. But like, if I have to, I fucking will. But it's, you're just, yeah, it's just, it's, it's not the end. It never is. And oh my God. Can you imagine if we all just died when we broke up with our boyfriend? Oh my God. Can you imagine if we just dropped dead? Just like, like, that's it. If? Okay. Listen to me. Yeah. Guys, Alexis is a podcast called Hyder Practice. How do you want to like describe that in a sentence? I don't want to do it for you. Like, no, it's like if you're an artist or a creative, it's a real basic, like back to basics on actually how to be able to achieve and operate in the art and creative world. Like practical advice from people who are actually doing it, not just like woo woo art stuff, which we all also love, but there's a lot of that out there. So this is like much more like who's doing what job? How does that even work? How did you get there? And what do you even mean by networking? Because like people also like, all you have to do is do like outreach. And it's like, what the fuck does that mean? 
<laughs> I know, I know. Out like that's it. You're right. That's such a, and like in a world post Tumblr, like who the I wouldn't even know how to begin to meet people. Like I literally, no. my life is glued together by the contacts I made in my early 20s on Tumblr, which like I don't even know what the equivalent of that is anymore. Dude, but, I got a job from a Tumblr person like two weeks ago. Yes, exactly. Like these people never left our lives. I mean, I guess the younger equivalent is TikTok, which you're also really good at. I will link that as well. Thank you. In our description, guys, go follow Alexis. Like, not just like cool art stuff, but really like great practical career advice that translates from any sphere of being a, I mean, not even just a creative, just like good work boundaries and like things yeah. that you've learned in a really unique way, especially, I mean, the whole like kind of like freelancing world a little bit is like so yeah. fucking chaotic. You guys, we will talk to you soon. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you. Desperate Escape, always a good one. And That's we'll really talk good. to you as soon as possible. I don't know when that will be. Very soon, though. All right. Bye. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Martha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.